Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're joining us. If you haven't joined us in the past, just a good reminder that this is not a sales program. We're here to educate, try to help you learn more about money to make you a better steward of the resources God has given you. So we want to do that today. Got a special guest and we want to get to it pretty soon, but I want to make sure that you know a little bit about uh, John Dodd. He's a senior private wealth advisor at the uh, Ronald Blue Trust office in Nashville, Tennessee. Been to Nashville many times. My daughter used to to live there, but um, before he joined Ronald Blue Trust, he was with Arthur Anderson as a CPA, tax accountant. He also was in the banking industry, did a lot of mergers and acquisitions and financial analysis, lending, all that kind of good stuff that bankers do. Uh, he's a certified financial planner professional. He's a chartered retirement planning counselor, an accredited asset management specialist, accredited wealth management advisor, a chartered mutual fund consultant, and a certified wealth advisor. Well, that's a mouthful, John, but we, you know, we had to get all those alphabet soup in out of the way. Uh, done a lot of financial teaching and seminar speaking. He even earned an excellent rating from the American Institute of Banking uh, when he was in banking, and he's been a featured speaker at the Federal Reserve. He's appeared in Fortune Magazine, Sound Mind Investing. Very familiar with Sound Mind Investing uh, newsletter. Many of our listeners are too. Uh, authored a book even, uh, An Rx for a Medical Marriage, A Guide to Harmony. So this is back when uh, his, his wife's a doctor, his, his dad's a doctor, I think. Uh, he's So he had a lot of experience in there. So he wanted to write something for doctors. But this was pre-kids, uh, John tells me. So he might have to do an update on that one. Uh, focus on the family, Christian Medical, Dental Society, a lot of conferences he's spoken at. Very, uh, very uh, well spoken of by our company, well respected by clients. Uh, I've gotten to know John fairly well over the last couple of years that we joined the company. Uh, he's active on the board of the Brentwood YMCA, lives there in Brentwood, Tennessee, uh, Leadership Brentwood, and the Cool Springs uh, Rotary. So, been to Cool Springs, uh, been to Cool Springs Mall, been to all those kind of things. So, so very familiar with that. Uh, John and his wife, uh, Kathleen, and have two daughters. And I have a lot of respect, I said, like I said, for his technical expertise. He's been in this business, all those credentials, you can tell there's a lot of technical expertise, but I think the what I uh, res- respect and admire the most about John, he loves people, and he loves helping people. And you're going to notice that as we come through. We're going to go a little on the softer side of financial planning today, but uh, welcome, John, to the microphone. So glad you took the time to join me today. Mike, I tell you, with an introduction like that, I can't wait to hear what I have to say. <laughs> well, we almost ran out of time. <laughs> I just don't, don't have any time left to have you talk because of the great introduction. I know that I know you don't care for that, but I had to had to make sure the listeners know yeah, who, yeah. who we were talking to. So, so tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about uh, your journey about money and how why what how in the world did you ever get into financial planning from banking and and some of those things? And we're, we'll dive into some of the other material after that. But uh, give us an idea of uh, of John Dodd. Sure. Well, I, I majored in accounting in college and thought I wanted to go into business. And of course, that's a great background for anything you might do in the business world. And, you know, quickly grew tired of just sitting in a cubicle doing tax returns all day. That's that's Amen. tough. It needs to be done. It <laughs> needs to be done. It needs to be done well, but I was not the person for it. <laughs> so with that background and background in lending and banking, I've always kind of been around money in terms of reporting on money and various transactions, but never on the planning side and never directly with people. So when I ran across Ronald Blue and Company back in the early 90s, I just thought, you know, I could bring some technical expertise, combine it with people skills and really start helping people plan around money as opposed to just reporting on what happened retroactively. So 
God bless me, I was able to join the firm in 1993 in Atlanta and moved to open the Nashville office in 1994. So that's kind of my, my background. And, and so today, I just help people get their arms around their money. I like to say, uh, <laughs> you know how money comes with no instructions? Yes. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I help people with that problem, okay? Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's investments, insurance, cash flow, debt, taxes, whatever. We bring a comprehensive approach to whatever the issues are. And having done that for almost 30 years and worked with all manner of clients, single, married, widowed, rich, not so rich, just all over the map, you know, I think I would say some of my conclusions just after almost 30 years of doing this would be several things. I think, first off, money has gravity. And the more of it you have, the more force it exerts on you. Mm. And clearly you see that in scripture, you know, as goods increase, they increase who eat them, <laughs> right? He who loves money will never have enough. And, and <laughs> right. so we think having more money would be better, but actually it's not because it presents new challenges. There's still significant challenges around that. And the more of it you have, the more force it exerts on you. And the only antidote to that is really generosity. That's why you see these people that come into, you know, they win the lottery. Well, they, it, it, there's so much gravity, so much force attached to that. If you don't have the right mindset, it will suck you into its vortex and you'll go and do a lot of stupid stuff and throw all the money away. That's just human nature. You know, I've learned that money has power because it promises what it cannot deliver. And I really want to reemphasize that money has power because it promises what it cannot deliver. It can't deliver self-esteem. It can't deliver self-worth. It can't deliver contentment. I mean, yes, it's great. To ha I like to have a roof over my head, but do I need, you know, am I going to be more content in a 10,000 square foot house versus a 2,000 square foot house? That's, that's where I think, you know, just the allure of money. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of things it cannot deliver. And yeah. another thing I've learned is that, you know, money makes us more of who we are. And it's interesting because you know, I'll work with professional athletes. I don't work with many lottery winners. I don't know about you, Mike. Never <laughs> nope. had a lottery winner nope. <laughs> nope. before. Never have. But I'm hoping. I'm they hoping. should be. Okay, they should one. be working with us, but they're not. Yeah. They should be. That's exactly right. They spend it too fast. There's nothing them. left. That's it. That's it. We'd help them hang on to it. But money makes us more of who we are. And so I've observed for those people who come into a lot of money, and by that I mean more than just, hey, I've got way more than I need to cover the electric bill to educate my kids and you know pay my mortgage, that excess money reveals our heart. And I think that's why, you know, Jesus says, you know, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, it, you know, money has a string on it and it's attached to our heart. Yeah. And wherever we put our money, our heart is going to go. But the converse is also true. If our heart is really centered on the Lord and what he would have us do, then our heart is going to drag our money around. So those are just kind of some of the things I've sure. learned about money kind of in this general industry. Yeah, well, we both had uh, clients that have come in that some of them that were making, we can go back years, we can say, well, I was only, they were only making forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year, and they were perfectly content. And you had somebody else that came in that was making half a million dollars a year, and they were miserable. 
So yeah, the extra money people think, well, if I just had another 10,000 or if I just had another 20,000, but I tell people when, when I used to teach the workshops all the time, I would tell people, if you can't be content with where you are, another 10 or 20,000 is not going to do it. You, you won't be content there either. All right, John, we got a lot to talk about today. We want to go through some um, some questions on the softer side of financial planning that that you work with on clients and, and give us uh, an idea of how we might have a, a better relationship financially with our spouse. But today, I remind listeners, we're not taking calls today. We are had to record this one. That's fine. But if you have questions for me, you can always send those questions to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Or feel free to give me a call, 800-588-7526. That 7526 stands for PLAN. So 1-800-588-PLAN would get you uh, directly to our phone lines. And if you want to leave a, a voicemail, that's fine. But we'd love to speak with you to see if it might be a good fit to, to help you accomplish your financial goals and do it in a the most efficient tax-wise way and the most efficient from a biblical standpoint. We want to help you do that. All right, so it's time for our, our first break, John. So we'll just hang on through this break. and We'll pick up and ask a little bit about how maybe your parents handled money and what impact that might have had on you. So that's the question we'll lead off with when we come back from the break. We'll be right back with the second part of Talking Money in just a minute. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. My special guest is from the Nashville office of Ronald Blue Trust, John Dodd, a senior private wealth advisor, been with the company for how many years now, John? 30? Almost 30. 30. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't, I can't, I don't do math in public, so I'm not <laughs> sure, frankly. <laughs> Yeah, that usually happens to me on the golf course, and I'll I'll mess up a score, and the person will ask me that my my uh, my partner will ask me, "Aren't you into financial planning?" I say, "Yeah, but the computer does all my all my additions. I don't need to I don't need to do that in my head." Uh, so today we're talking about a little softer side of financial planning because you need to understand, especially between spouses, how each of you think, how each of you feel about money, maybe even how each of you grew up about money so that you can make better decisions together. So we have a financial intimacy uh, questionnaire, I guess we call it, John, that uh, that we can use with clients to help bring some clarity here. And I also want to make it available to our listeners. So after we, as we go through this document, if you would like a copy of it, it's for yours free, it'd be an electronic copy, but just send an email to mike 
at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Just an email, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And you can say intimacy or questionnaire or financial intimacy, whatever you want to say. I'll know what you want. It's the only thing we're going to be offering this week. So we'll, and Tracy will send that to you next week and we'll make sure it gets in your hand. Of course, any questions from reading that document, you feel free to ask. But we want to make sure you have all the resources you need to do the kind of financial planning, especially between spouses and to do it correctly. So the one of the questions that is asked on this, and I'm going to ask you, John, to answer this question for yourself and maybe get a little in, in, um, insight as to how some clients answer the question. But the first question is describe how your parents handled money and what impact that had on you. And, and John, also, why ask that question? Well, that's, that's a good question, Mike. This financial intimacy assessment that you and I are going through that will be a resource for your listeners is something that several people in our firm developed as a diagnostic tool. When someone comes to us and they're thinking about hiring us and we ask a number of questions, part of what I want to do, it's, not, it's just kind of the same as going to a doctor for the first time. They're going to ask you a lot of questions. They're going to take a lot of measurements. They're going to take your blood. They're going to run a lot of tests to figure out where you are and then where you want to be. And so part of these, these questions of the, that we've worked on and, and that we'll share with the listeners are really designed to help me understand what am I getting into? What is this person's financial DNA? Because it's very hard to overcome DNA, okay? Yes. And so what am I getting into and how will that impact the relationship, maybe the, the fee I need to charge because we're fee only. We don't sell products or anything like that. So, boy, if you've got a couple that are arguing and fighting every time the credit card bill comes in, that's going to take more time for me to work through that. So it's really for me to figure out well, where do these people sit. And so I think that's where it could be valuable for your listeners, even if they don't retain a financial advisor. You know, if you're married and you're sitting and, and you, you know, you, maybe you're struggling around money, these questions will help, help you figure out, hopefully sit down with your spouse to go, hey, uh, why, why do we have a problem when there's a credit card statement that comes, you know, what's our financial trigger, whatever. So that's why we develop these questions and this tool. But to answer that first question, my, my parents were, were, you know, everything was great growing up, had an idyllic life, you know, childhood. The issue around money was always, you know, mom, mom took us to the grocery store and got you. I'll never forget. Ah, honey, I don't know if we can afford to get Coca-Cola's, you know, I don't know, you know, if we can afford to get these candy bars and, you know, and, and so there was always this fear around, we don't know if we're going to have enough. And that's really all I knew. You know, we were in some amount of debt, but you know, I wasn't missing any meals. You know, I got <laughs> had plenty of clothes, you know, we yeah. were doing fine, but then maybe we weren't doing fine because we're worried about, can we afford Coca-Cola? So the impact that had on me in terms of the way I would run money, I would say, you know, once I had some money to manage, get control and really live below your means. And so today my wife and I live way below our means, meaning we have more, far more income than we do expenses. And so then that raises the issue of, well, what are you going to do with it? Well, scripture would encourage you to, to be generous, but you know, I would just say, that, that great verse, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, and I'm going to refer to this throughout our conversation, where there is no vision, the people wander. And I take part of that to mean 
you know, where there is no vision in your marriage around money, boy, you're going to, you're going to be all over the map. You know, you're going to wander and you're going to wonder what you can afford, what you can't afford. It's going to create a lot of friction. So one of the ways that I would encourage people to increase their financial intimacy score is Proverbs 29, 18, get a unified vision around what you and your spouse want to accomplish and put the big rocks in first. You know, do, are we saving enough for retirement? Do we have enough for the kids' education? We want to get out of debt. Put those in first. Those are unifying desires. And then the other thing, like, well, can we afford a boat? Well, I don't know. You know it's not a necessity. Let's yeah. see if it works. <laughs> you know, that way there's more, there's more uh, u- unity around the issue of ancillary expenses like a boat or a whole other set of clothes or whatever. Sure, sure. Or another house. And do I need another house? A new right. house and lake. And, and we've, right. we've all counseled people that uh, you ask that question they ask you that question and they can afford to financially, but then you say, well, what are, what are your goals? I mean, are, are you still interested? Like you said, initially when we met that you want to get more involved in your church or some other ministry on the weekends and by buying this other house in the lake, is that really going to accomplish that? Or is that going to take you away from that? And, and you ask those kind of questions that can help them really decide whether that's something they ought to do. And I remember uh, back a few months ago when uh, the professional golfer, one of our clients, Bart Bryant, had uh, was on the show with me and he was talking about his parents. And one of the things that he remembered distinctly was they were always giving away things. They were always, their tithing was just the minimum. The, the offerings were on, on top of the tithing was something that his, he could see his parents doing. So a lot of what your parents do influences, just like you said, it might give you fear where, where there, maybe there wasn't any reason for fear, but if the spouses, if your mom and dad weren't communicating as well as they should have been, yeah, your mom could have had that fear, but maybe she shouldn't have. Or maybe she was using that as a way to let you know that um, she really didn't want to buy that Coca-Cola. She was just telling you that, oh, we can't afford it today, John. Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> so, so that's one of the questions is how your parents handled money and what, what impact that had on you. Second one is, what is a financial value you want to and don't want to emulate? So that's an interesting question for people. It is, and that's why we ask it, because we're trying to drill down and help us understand what is it that's driving this particular person. I think the value that I would want to emulate is God owns it all. Now, now we know that. I mean, if you asked your listeners to raise their hand, okay, you know, does God own it all? Do you agree or disagree? Everybody would agree. Yeah, are you taking it with you? No, you're not. (laughs) Right. But if, if God owns it all, if, if believing God owns it all were a crime, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Yeah. And so that's where the rubber meets the road. So a financial value would be, I'm hoping I'm making my financial decisions within the context of God owns it all. And that doesn't mean he doesn't want us to enjoy it. Scripture says God gives us all things to enjoy. We have mm-hmm. latitude to do whatever we want to. So, and that's what planning is all about. Okay, I can do an unlimited number of things, but I've got limited resources. And by the way, they're not mine. So, you know, I need some help on that. I think another financial value would be generosity. You know, I think once your needs are met, getting a bigger lake house or whatever is not going to lead to contentment. But generosity is is really commanded. You know, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, you know, instruct those who are rich in this present world. And believe it or not, all of our listeners are rich. 
which, I mean, isn't that great? Like, can you believe all your listeners right. are rich? Some of them didn't know it, but relatively speaking, why. yeah. Relative, yes, if you earn $37,000 or more a year, you're in the top 1% of all income earners in the world. If you have a refrigerator full of food and one change of clothes, you're in the top 1% of everybody in the world. So we're rich in this present world. And, you know, God says, don't, you know, that don't put your hope in the uncertainty of riches, but on Christ who richly supplies us all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and, rel- and ready to share. So I, w- I would hope generosity is, is a pretty important value, not only in myself, right. but in, in those that I work with. And those are the kind of things and, and that, bo- yeah, go ahead. Well, I think the bottom line, money makes a great servant, but a terrible master. Yes. And I think, yes. you know, what I don't want to emulate is the fact that, okay, money's my God. I think it's going to do a lot of things. And then I find out it's really not going to do a lot of good things. Yeah. So we asked, uh, and those are great comments. Uh, and we've asked about how your parents handled money impacted you. But the, we, the turnaround question for number, question number three is, what are the primary money messages your children are learning from you and your spouse? So you got to remember that they're learning things from you as well. And you want to make sure that you are sending and giving the right lessons and right example to them. All right. We just have less than a minute left for our first break. So when we come back, the uh, I let the listeners think about this question a little bit. The next question on the list, if you had an extra $50,000 this year, what would you do with it? Yeah, interesting question. I've asked questions similar to that in my workshops, and it's interesting to see what people will say they will do with it. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk some more about that when we get back. But if you want a copy of this this financial intimacy assessment that we are discussing with John Dodd, um, feel free to send me an email at mike at talkingmoneyradio.com, mike at talkingmoneyradio.com, and we'll be glad to send that to you. Just put in the subject line something about the assessment or the a questionnaire or something, and we'll make sure that uh, you get that. So we're back with uh, the second half of Talking Money with John Dodd in just a couple of minutes. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I'm pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, Their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance, and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. You're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money, so glad you're with us today. If you've got a question for me, don't sit in today. We're not uh, accepting. This. I'm t- typically, I'm live, and you can call in. Today is not one of those days, but you can always send a question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, or if you want to get a copy of the Financial Intimacy Assessment document that we were reviewing today, then you can also ask for that. 
Same place, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Got a question for me that you want me to talk to you individually about, 800-588-7526. But don't call that number today and think you're getting me today. You won't. But you will get the office and you can leave a message and I can get back to you as soon as we can. So my special guest today, John Dodd, Senior Private Wealth Advisor with Ronald Blue Trust in the Nashville, Tennessee office. And we already gave the, the long accolades about John. We won't do that again. If you missed that, you can always go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and go to the Listen tab, and that'll take you to all the recordings. And this will be posted on there, and you can listen to it as a podcast anytime. I know many people talked to a listener this week. He had some questions, and I just sent him a quick email and say, did I answer your question last week? And he said, well, I don't know yet because I don't listen to it until it comes out in the podcast next week. So a lot of people I know that listen to it as a podcast, and that's great. So you never have the opportunity to send a question in live, but you can always send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. All right, John Dodd, so we've talked about um, a lot of different things about money so far, but the question I asked before the break one of the questions on this um, questionnaire, this assessment tool says, if you had an extra $50,000, and I'm going to say tax-free this year, what would you do with it? So that's a very interesting question and reveals a lot, doesn't it, John? It does. And that's why we put it on there. Just again, part of my role as a financial advisor, if you're thinking about hiring me, or even if you have hired us already, we need to act like a GPS. The first thing your GPS does for you is what? It locates you, right? Right. And isn't it, fr isn't it frustrating when it doesn't and you get that blue circle of death? You know, you're like, oh, come on, come on, hurry up, hurry up. What's taking you so long? <laughs> right, right. I want to tell you where I want to go, you know, but it, it won't locate you. How frustrating is that? Well, in order for me and you as advisors to give good advice to people, we need to locate them first. Where are you? And that's what part of these questions are. And so what would you do with $50,000? And so the answers are kind of all over the map, but whatever the answers are, there's no wrong answer, but it instructs me as to where this person is and on, on that continuum. And so generally speaking, I'll, I'll get, you know, I might, you know, I think giving it away is somewhat popular. Uh, you know, pay off debt is fairly popular. Uh, save it, uh, and even not sure what I would do with it because I'm, you know, it's totally surprising to me. So, yeah, and that's true. And I think um, you you like to think that you get the right and honest answer from somebody. You don't want somebody who already knows where we stand. And they're just going to give because they know it's not a, a real thing. They didn't really get fifty thousand dollars. It's like, okay, uh, I'll give it away. Of course, I'll, I'll be very altruistic, and I'll be I'll be the one that's going to give it away. Well, yeah, you you get in that situation. In reality, what are you going to do with that? What are some of the first things you would do with with some of that money? So we've had some clients that have been in that situation where they've uh, had extra money that either because of the plan and we developed the plan for them and got their their finish line, as it were. So we know where they are, like you said, the GPS found them and we identified where they want to go and we figured out financially the best we can of what it's going to take to get them there with their own needs and wants, with their family's needs and wants. Okay, there's your finish line. And now there's there's extra money either already there or maybe some extra money comes in. So what's a typical response from uh, from you if somebody called you and asked you that question? Like, what what should I do with that money, John? Exactly. And that's where I take them through a grid. And if they say, hey, I would, I don't know what to do with it, or you know, I'd take a vacation or whatever, 
I would take them through this grid, and it's this. Do you have an emergency fund of three to six months of living expenses? Well, no. Oh, okay. Well, how much would that be? All right, $10,000. All right. So of the 50, you need to fund your emergency fund with 10 grand. So now we're down to 40. All right. Do you have any short-term debt? Debt for a car, debt for furniture, maybe credit card debt. Oh, I got, I got some of that. How much? 20,000. All right. So now, now we're, you know, that's, that's 30,000 total that we've allocated elsewhere. So now we're down to 20 grand. Now, what do you, well, um, are, how are you investing in your 401k? No. Well, maybe you, maybe you need to do that. Maybe you can use part of that. I know salary deferrals have to do the 401k, but you know, maybe, maybe you need to invest. Have you started saving for your children's education? You say, no. And then what about giving? You know, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of all your increase. Well, 50 grand, I mean, that's, that's increase, right? I mean, sure. and let's not get into the pre-tax or post-tax. Let's just, you know, <laughs> I mean, God, you know, Jesus, Jesus, I mean, we, we didn't get, uh, we didn't get half of Jesus or 70, but we got a hundred percent. So I'm, I'm more in the gross, the, the gross income category. But, but anyway, you know, Biblically, I would think, hey, at least 10%. So that's five grand right there. So all of a sudden, when you go through that grid and you go, no, I don't have an emergency fund. I got some short-term debt. I need to invest. I need to give. I got, I got nothing left. That's the entire 50. Okay, well, well, good. I mean, that's where I would. But if you say, no, I've got plenty of my emergency fund. I have zero debt. I'm already given 15%. Well, then, okay, I think you've, you know, you've gone through kind of that the first steps on the ladder. You've already got those covered. Hey, pray about it. You know, maybe God wants you to take a big blowout vacation with your kids, you know, and go to Antarctica or whatever and create some great family memories. Yeah, you're investing build. in your family. Yeah. You're, in, it's actually an investment. Right. So you don't look at it like, Oh, I'm being frivolous. No, that that's a memory that right. that'll last forever. Right. Well, we always talk about in our firm, as you know, Mike, there's three kinds of capital that, that we believe. Number one, financial, but then social capital and spiritual capital. Social capital is things like hard work, earnestness, you know, all those kinds of thriftiness, et cetera. And spiritual capital, we know what that is, building biblical principles into our kids. So maybe you take some of that financial capital and buy some spiritual and social capital, get some opportunity for that through a real wild and crazy trip out to the West and you're on a cattle ranch for two weeks, whatever. But the, the, the point is, you know, again, Without vision, people wander, and so that's where I think working with a financial advisor kind of helps. Go because who's going to ask you? Well, do you have your emergency fund? Fund? I mean, who makes money when you fund your emergency fund? Nobody. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. exciting. There's no advertisement on the way to work saying, "Have you put money into your emergency fund? Have you gotten out of debt?" You're not going to see that as an advertisement. But those are the key principles that we need to be following. Yeah, and I know this, as you know, most financial advisors that that we've been in contact with and, and learned over the years that the first thing that they're going to say typically is, yeah, send that 50000 over here, we'll invest it, and we'll make some money for you and so forth, where that may not be the best thing for you. So even though we get paid and based on the amount of – one of the ways we get paid, not the only way, but one of the ways we get paid is based on the amount of assets that we actually manage for somebody. 
it seems counterintuitive that as an advisor, we would say, well, don't put that with me. Let's, you need to worry about these other things, especially if you get to larger amounts than just 50,000. If you're looking at a couple hundred thousand or 300,000 or half a million, what are you going to do with this money? And it gets more tempting to say, whoa, don't pay off that uh, $250,000 mortgage. Uh, invest it with me and we'll, we'll make sure we make more than the interest cost you on that loan. Well, that may not be the best thing for you. Sometimes it is. But many times it's not. And you say, no, you need to pay off that debt. And so we want to make sure that our clients do the right thing with their money, not necessarily something that's going to benefit us on the short term, because long term, that's what's going to be better for that client. So that's why that's so important to to work with somebody, I think, that's that's a fiduciary, that's looking after your best interest. And I know you agree with that. Exactly. exactly. Well, I always tell people, look, God made you a steward. But our value proposition is, I'll make you a better steward. So how do we do that? Well, it's through working just, just this example of asking the right questions and helping you make wise financial decisions. Yeah, yeah. And some of these things you talked about when this 50000 if somebody says, I'm going to um, pay off $20,000 short-term debt, and, and then on the flip side, you say, but you're not investing in your 401k and you're leaving money on the table because there's a match the company has that you're not fully utilizing. Or even if you are, maybe you should be putting more money aside because you've got to also counsel this client as to where they're going to put the extra monthly income that they're not going to be putting toward the debt anymore. So, and sometimes that's, that's a lot for somebody that, that they may have another four or 500 or more a month that they're not um, spending anymore because their car is paid off and their credit cards are paid off. That's exactly right. So you always want to have a, a bucket, you know, that you're filling a series of buckets, and um, that's certainly that's we need to be filling. And that's that's the problem. We have limited resources, unlimited buckets. You know, yeah, how do we right. how do yeah. we decide yeah. what the most important buckets yeah. are? And a lot of times that decision is made within the context of with many counselors. There's victory. It always helps to I think to have a, a financial coach. That's right. Okay, so we're at the, the uh, time for our last break, John. So we'll take a few-minute break here and come back with a question. If you had one money do-over in life, what would it be? You know, so what's the biggest mistakes you see people make and that kind of thing? We want to talk about that. If you want to copy this financial assessment, financial intimacy assessment, you want to send that uh, quick email to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. We have an electronic copy. We will email you, Mike, at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Of course, that's where you also can see the archives of all the other uh, Talking Money programs on many, many different topics that you can uh, peruse and listen to at your own convenience, which is great. So when we come back from the break, we'll talk about that uh, one money do-over in life. What would it be? And when we come back for the last segment of Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. 
Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to the final segment of Talking Money. We've got about 10 minutes here left in the program. My special guest, John Dodd, Senior Private Wealth Advisor for the Ronald Blue Trust in the Nashville, Tennessee office. Been with the company about 30 years, a little longer than I have. But if I put my plan first and Ronald Blue Trust uh, experience together, I'm a little older than you. Anyway, so we won't go there. Uh, but we're talking about this financial intimacy assessment. We've asked some great questions. Uh, John, you've had some great comments about this. If you as a listener would like a copy of this, little tool that we've put together, you can send me an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com and we'll be sure to get you a copy of it. Tracy will send it to you next week and get it to you electronically as soon as we can. If you've got a question for me individually or just want to check us out to see if we might be a good fit to help you accomplish your financial goals and do it in the, the, the best stewardship way possible, 800-588-PLAN or 800-588-7526. All right, John, so the big question before the break was if you had one money do-over in life, what would it be? So what's the biggest mistake you see people make? Well, it's the one that I made as well. When I graduated from college, had my first job, you know, you're filling out all your sheets and everything, you know, social security number and W-2 withhold, all that. Then the, you know, do you want to participate in the retirement plan? How much money do you want taken out of your pay? And, and, and I'm like, retirement. Are you kidding, <laughs> you kidding me? me? <laughs> I'm 21, man. I'm not, I got plenty of time to save for a time. Well, I didn't understand the unbelievable power of compound interest. Right. And yeah. I wish I had started sooner. Now, and, and it's unbelievable when you do studies, just the power of that. If you hesitate just seven years, so you've got one person that starts when they're 21 versus somebody who starts when they're 28, just that seven-year head start, it takes the procrastinator almost 22 years or so to catch, catch up, up. Yeah. with just just a seven-year head start. So my encouragement to young folks is the day you start employment, you need to be socking away. Hopefully, you follow the 10-10-80 rule. Give the Lord 10%, save 10%, and then spend the rest and don't worry about where it went. Because yeah. you're doing good, giving the Lord his 10%, saving to, you know, paying yourself first, that 10%, and then who cares what you do with the other 80? And as long as you do that, you're going to be in great shape. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think the earlier you start, the, the better. We always try to encourage people to do that. It's just amazing how many don't. And they if they would do that, then they're going to look at that contribution to the 401k like another bill. I mean, they'll never see the money. So they can plan the rest of it is and, and retirement is taken care of. And if you start that early and you put in, let's say, 10%, even if it can squeeze out seven, but you got 3% that comes from the company and you're getting 10 or you're putting in 10 and they're putting in another three. So you have 13% going in. That's just monumental on, on how that would protect your retirement. And the rest of your money, you can pretty much do what you want to with it, with the kids or vacations or, or giving, whatever, because the retirement piece is probably going to be taken care of. All right, so that's good. Uh, those five questions. So now those are really written response type questions, but there's a whole, uh, another couple of pages here that have questions related to financial intimacy. We're obviously not going to have time 
to go through all these, uh, John, but uh, hitting some of them. So first of all, the first part is, you know, what is your role in fam- family finances? I mean, we've had clients that have come in and after we're through going through our process, the the wife typically is the one who has not been involved with, and it's not always this way, but in this case it was, not involved with the day-to-day financial part. And and she, she was so relieved. She says, this is the most I've known about our financial situation ever. And so it's, she was she was so happy that that we got involved in this. But there's different um, different roles for different people, right? So and and you have to have that, but you need to know where you stand. That's exactly right. And whoever has the the best personality or DNA to run the bills and do other, it's fine. It's not male or female. It, it it's all over the map as far as my practice is concerned. But I make each person, in other words, I have the husband fill out this assessment separately from the, from the wife, right? But, you know, I can compare answers and see how, you know, and, and so I want to know who's doing what, and that's part of why, because the big deal is typically to your point, Mike, most, at least in my experience, I work with mostly, you know, people 50 and above generally is what happens when the husband's been running the money all the time and he dies. Yeah. Or gets disabled. You know, that, yeah. And, I mean, the average age of a widow today is 52 according to the Social Security Administration. Wow, really? 52? So, yes, 52. Wow. So if the spa, if the wife doesn't have any experience running the money or doesn't know the usernames or passwords or how much money they have, talk about overwhelming. I just lost my husband and I got to pick up all this money. So that's why we try to bring both together, whoever manages it, whoever does not manage it. And again, getting back to Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision. So we create a vision, and that's the benefit yeah. of having a financial plan. And you're seeing it in the woman that said, wow, this is now I've got a vision. I know what we have. Yeah. And these next couple of questions are really ones that are probably a big reveal when you have each spouse doing it separately. So the first one, rank the level of financial intimacy you have with your spouse. Low being high friction disagreement, never discuss money. High being good communication, no friction. And then the next question, how do you think your spouse would rank his or her financial intimacy with you? So I imagine that would reveal a lot between spouses and how, you know, one of them thinks, oh yeah, I communicate all the time. The other spouse says, no, you don't. You, you never do. You never talk to me. I guess that's never happened before to you though, John. Oh man. And let me tell you, it's all over the map. And, <laughs> and the sooner I know it, the better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You know which way to go with that. Uh, so then you got the next couple of questions. Describe, this is an interesting one because people are so different. Describe your financial personality. You know, spender, saver, generous, optimistic, fearful, confident, intimidated. Uh, and I've often said, yeah, if we got two savers, that's usually not too much of a problem. If both spouses are both spenders, nah, that could be a potential problem. Or one's a spender, one's a saver. There's potential friction there. But nice to know. Exactly. It is good to know on the front end because, again, People hire us to bring unity to the marriage financially, and sometimes if they're both savers, great, but at the same time, I might, in fact, I encouraged a client a while back, you're saving too much. You're not, they weren't taking any family vacations. They weren't spending, yeah, yeah, they were spending time with their kids weekend, but I said, look, you need to spend some of this financial capital that you're great at saving and go do some events that would increase spiritual and social capital. Yeah, that's that's so important. And 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 one of the reasons they may be both savers is there's fear. And so you find out what's that fear about. You're, you you grew up in a family maybe that didn't have any money. So you're saving and you're putting it all in the bank because you want to make sure you never have the same kind of experience that maybe your kids don't that you had because you grew up in a, in a very poverty-stricken type 
uh, we don't see that very much anymore, but it still it still happens. All right. So sure. the next uh, the question: Describe your overall financial relationship with your spouse in one word, and do that with one word: peaceful, combative, engaged, disengaged, unified, unsure. Another one of those questions that you're probably going to get different answers from different spouses. Yeah. And then the money conversations with your spouse are: I love this one. So a dreaded topic: avoid like the plague. Money is mostly a non-issue, neither good or bad, or not always fun, or the dreaded other, where you have to put something in there. So that's going to lend itself to a lot of different things. Next question, when do you and your spouse tend to discuss finances, uh, key triggers in your financial world? Uh, when you and your spouse disagree about a financial decision, you typically do what? Who is the most influential person in your world from a financial standpoint? Uh, if your spouse came to you and initiated a discussion about money, you would you know, not be surprised. Pass out because she never talks about money. And the last question, conversations around money usually leave me feeling, you know, good, bad, frustrated, disrespected, confused, valued. You know, a lot of great questions that we cover in here. But, John, the last couple of minutes we have left, I want you to share with the listeners, what are some things that you can do to increase that financial intimacy, call it a score, with your spouse? Great question. Again, first of all, each spouse needs to complete the assessment separately and then compare notes. And there's really, there's not a way to score it because some of these don't have a score. So it's not like it's a 10 point questionnaire. And, hey, I got an 80. What did you, oh, you got a 40. You're failing. It's not that. It's really to create conversation around these issues. So number one, I would say if you want to increase your financial intimacy, pick out the results, those questions showing low scores. In other words, you know, I'm a saver, my spouse is a spender. Or when we talk about financial stuff, I feel disrespected, okay? Those are red flags or maybe even flashing yellow, okay? And pick those out that are yellow or red and just sit down and talk about how, how do we, you know, if I'm a four, how do I move to a seven? You know, how do I, how do I make you feel confused, or, you know, conversations leave me feeling, okay, you know, my wife says frustrated, okay? Honey, tell me more. What do I do that makes you feel frustrated? Well, you don't explain it to me, or it's too complicated, or whatever. And again, that's where you might hire a financial coach to come in and be an objective third party right. and explain things maybe in a way that the husband can't necessarily. So again, number one, pick out the results where you're either a red or a yellow and sit down and talk about, not to attack the other, but to say, how did you arrive at this score? Yeah. All right, John. So this has been great stuff. We only have 30 seconds left. I want to remind the listeners that they can get this financial assessment uh, directly from us. Just send me an email to talk, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Ask for the financial questionnaire, the assessment, whatever you want to ask for. That'll be the way to, to let us know that's what you want. So thanks, John Dodd, for being with me. Appreciate it. We'll have a my, great week. My pleasure. All right. Take Enjoyed care. It. Thank you, sir. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.